0: Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I have Uncle Warren of Extra Bull Alive and The Secret Show coming to us all the way from Brooklyn, New York. On the show, we discuss politics and the media. Hope you enjoy Solidarity Forever.
1: MC I appreciate you brother. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: So, your path, you started out in Mississippi and then now you're a New Yorker in Brooklyn. Uh, how did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, I know. That's uh, that's the whole uh happy feet thing. Uh yeah, I was born in Chicago, grew up down south, you know, was raised down there for 30 years and after my folks passed away, I said, "Well, it's uh it's time to go see the rest of the country, you know, cuz you know, you live down uh, I don't know if you're too familiar with the South. Uh, I'm in but, Texas you know, now.
0: I live in Texas uh,
1: now. Okay. Okay. All right. So you, you'll you'll understand what you know, like tight knit communities and whatnot down south. You know, people tend to be they tend to kind of minimize what their beliefs are because it's it's simpler to do. Right. Mm-hmm. The less you put your emphasis on religion, your family you know putting food on the table your basics right and that's you know that's what the southerners focus on but they don't look outside uh, uh you know to other things right so i so i many, stay,
0: well, yeah politicians down here their signs i feel like every republican right-wing politician down here it's god country family in some order that's all their political signs are it's ridiculous
1: and, you know, it's funny, it's you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember before uh the religious right actually uh took over. You know, I was I was a little bit, but you know, I remember my old man being like a big uh Jimmy Carter fan, you know, uh because he was Navy, you know, military, and my my dad was Navy too. He fought in World War II. And uh, but then after that, but once you hit Reagan, man, that was it. And and you know, I used to because I used to be a dyed in the wool uh uh Democrat I guess I, I want to say shitlib but I, I we're gonna keep it nice I'll keep it nice I promise uh but you know I was a Clinton dude I I had no idea about politics I had no idea what was really going on in the world I just knew that Jimmy Carter was a Democrat so the Democrats must all be good and well I I didn't really see the light until probably uh, once Bush uh, jr. took over and I saw how feckless the uh, Democrats were uh in 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 the house and senate because you had uh uh nancy was the uh she was the house uh, majority leader at the time and you had harry Reid out of nevada who was a senator he was the senate majority leader so they could have really stymied a lot of what bush had done in iraq and in afghanistan but they didn't. And at the time, I thought, well, they just don't have the power. And then it's like, oh, well, then they just don't have the will. And now I think, oh, well, they're just in cahoots, right? And I'm not the only one who went through that that progression, right, who was a Democrat and who realizes how crappy they are. And they're not even trying to hide it anymore, MC, man. It's just, it's just so blatant what they're doing out there. And they're just daring you to get out in the streets and crack your head with, with with sticks and stuff like that, you know? And that's where we're at here in 2023.
0: Yeah, they want to make it about uh, personalities. They want to make it about people. They don't want to make it about the issues because they know that between the two parties, there aren't really much differences in the issues. I'm a big fan of Chomsky. Um, he's a media critic, as you, know, you kind of claim to be as well. I like a lot of his uh, political analysis, uh, he had mentioned that, uh, you know, essentially between, uh, he's kind of taken a step away from media and uh, appearances, but um, last year, maybe in the, the first year of the Biden White House, he had said that, uh, you know, Biden, some of his uh, domestic policies were slightly, you know, to the left of Trump, wouldn't be that hard to do so, but some of the policies that I've noticed lately, though, um, you know, the, uh, the Republicans are even trying to outflank Biden uh, to 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 the left as he's trying to kind of Do backdoor secret deals for arms um, transfers to uh, Israel so they can carry out, you know, uh, genocide without, uh, you know, without the approval of Congress, which is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, back to what um, Chomsky was saying is like between Trump and Uh, Biden, in terms of their foreign policy, it's virtually indistinguishable. There's no difference at all between Biden and Trump in terms of their foreign policy agenda. This was a couple years ago. Maybe some things have changed, but I doubt much. Uh, And again, I'm going to get back to, um, you know, Chomsky here. He had mentioned also that, uh, yeah, right about the time of Reagan, that is when the Republicans realized they can pick up a significant percentage of the electorate By, and I quote Chomsky here, pretending to be religious. They pretend to be religious. Uh, It's doubtful, Mm -hmm. you know... Even Clinton, you know, he was supposed, supposedly going to church every Sunday and singing hymns and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the the, percent, the electorate of the U.S. Is, is very religious. There's a it's a good percentage of people that are, you know, religious. It's a radical, you know, kind of fundamentalist country here, a lot more than Europe, uh, for sure. Uh, and what the Republicans realize is if they pretend to be more religious than the Democrats, they can pick up a significant portion of the vote of the electorate. Uh, and they throw them some red meat every once in a while by, you know, giving some stuff about a Abortion. that's maybe the only major platform difference. Uh, they, again they want to get, make it, they want to make it you know, a cult of personality. They want to talk about body language. What tie did, you know, this campaign, on the, um, what candidate wear? Or what suit did this uh, candidate wear in the debate? Or what was their body language? Um, there's really not much differences between the Republican platform and the Democratic platform. Uh, it's essentially, you know, the business party in America with two factions. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, the Democrats, like you were kind of saying... Is it that they're powerless? Is it that they are uh, lack political will, which is essentially that means like the rich and powerful don't want them to uh, to do this certain measure, so they don't do it? Or is it the fact that yeah, they're just in cahoots? They might say something on the campaign trail, some lies, some things that they're going to do when they're in the White House, but you know and I know that they're going to get in there and do exactly what they've been doing. For example, Biden, what he's been doing the last forty years, which is trying to um, you know uh, tear down Social Security, tear down. The um, welfare state in America, uh, you know, uh, cut funding to Medicare, um, and you know he was part of he was part of the architect of the crime bill, 1994 crime bill that was going on. I think when Clinton was in the White House, he's all about you know putting more cops, maybe 100,000 more cops on the streets. Uh, since he's taken office, two wars are now broken out. We're funding both of them, U.S. taxpayers, while there's you know a cost of living crisis, people are homeless, hungry. Uh two trillion dollars student loan debt and he didn't get anything done uh, his agenda was canceling ten maybe fifty thousand dollars on the campaign trail that didn't happen, so we' got a lot of problems here you know at home, but yet it seems like all the Democrats are worried about is uh you know uh starting wars, maybe World War three abroad uh and you know the of course the Republicans aren't much different i usually you know the Republicans are usually the Warhawk party. But yeah, a lot of people were against uh, in the Republican Party, um, you know, the proxy war going on in Ukraine. It seems like, you know, bipartisan support for Israel's genocide in Congress. But uh, yeah, what say you about all that kind of stuff <laughs> as I try to make it a, 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 as I try to kind of sum up the way I see this two party system, this charade here in America.
1: Well, yeah, it's like I said, you know, at first I thought, uh, you know, the Democrats were actually fighting uh for people because i'd heard my whole entire life that uh that the democrats were uh you know for unions they were the party of the unions right i heard that my whole life you know my my old man you know like i said i was born in chicago because my dad couldn't find work in the south uh so he moved to chicago and that's where he found work and he he joined a union and he was making very For the time, he was making pretty decent money, money that in no way in hell he was going to make down south because they were so anti-union. And If you did have unions, it was like for like, you know, major organizations for like plumbers and electricians and stuff like that. But you didn't have or you didn't have unions for hardly anything else. And you barely call
0: unskilled workers, which is obviously a capitalist myth
1: right right and you had uh what is it they call them uh, they call them at will states too uh, oh, yeah. you know the mississippi is one of those uh yeah and, and for those who don't you know don't know what an at will state is basically it's just they can fire you anytime you want anytime they want for any reason that they want you know obviously they can't break you know laws in doing so but In this day and age, uh, you know it's about the same as trying to sue McDonald's for false advertising when you get your Big Mac and it looks like you know somebody stepped on it. You say, "Well, this is not on the sign." Yeah, good luck trying to uh, good try good luck trying to 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 fight city hall there. You know, so and that's where you know they these people face the same things.
0: And uh, you know, when Reagan was in office, he made it clear to the business community that he was not going to enforce U.S. law, Uh, and uh, you know, essentially, you know, strike-breaking tactics, and um, he, he, you know, him and administration since have uh, you know been okay with um, hiring scabs and. Permanent yeah. replacement workers, which is even worse, and uh, you know the international community—that's um, you know definitely frowned upon or even illegal in some countries, but here in the United States, it's just fine to do, uh, and that weakens you know everyone that weakens labor power for everyone, not just union workers. The thing about unions, you know, they um, they provide benefits for people that aren't even in them, you know, by increasing the wages for members. You know, there's a you know it has, a, it has the has the act of you know just increasing, you know, all, all, what a high tide raises all ships or whatever. I'm not very good with those yeah. catchphrases, but yeah, I yeah mean, I if, if, if a plane yeah. down the street is unionized and they're paying their workers more uh, on the other side of town, you know, in order to compete, they're going to have to pay their workers more, you know, and it improves benefits, um, working yeah, standards. Um, you know, the, the unions are responsible for like, um, safety standards in the workplace benefits like the weekend 40 hour work week, um, pensions, retirement, all that kind of stuff, is because of hard fought battles, and, a cert- and certainly, um, you know, battles fought by organized workers and unions. I don't think the w- unions are the greatest thing ever. Uh, I think that they are better than nothing for sure. I think, I think something like seven um, percent uh, at one point in time. I even saw in twenty twenty two when I thought there was like a hard uh, what do they call it? like a hot labor summer. It was the union membership actually dropped like by 02 percent, which is minuscule. But uh, mm-hmm. in a time, you know, a few years ago, I read that uh, um, uh, private unionized workers was like at an all time low in the United States of 7%. So there's a lot of federal workers and they, they have a strong federal union for sure. But outside of the federal workers union, less than 10%, I think it's like 7% or less of uh, private workers, private sector workers are unionized. So, I mean, that's much lower than any other country in the world. And, you know, there's been a essentially since the Great Depression you know or i guess essentially since the the new deal you know the the right and the the business um you know ruling class have been fighting uh unions ever since
1: yeah yeah they yeah it's uh yeah part of its propaganda they've been they've been uh you know unions have been uh, demonized for you know oh they're going to run these businesses you know, run these companies out of business with their high, high uh, wages and whatnot. And what that people forget is, it's like, like you said, it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. And what it does in your communities, it's like when your when your company employees are making more money, where is that money going? Probably, probably a lot of that money's going to savings. A lot of that money's going to pay utility bills and whatnot in that town. But then a lot of that money is also going to buy groceries in that town and to buy you know other things that they need. It go, it, what I'm saying is it goes back into the community. It's like this nice cycle. It's like everybody has a nice life. They're making enough money. They're not they're not worrying about you know putting food on the table. You know and now and that store that they go shop at can stay in business because this person can afford the groceries. That's how it works. That symbiotic relationship with your community, you know? And uh now it's like there's no trust in the unions because of the leadership. You know, And that's the thing, is the, the your union is only as strong as your leader, right? And if these leaders keep getting bought off or in cahoots with like uh you know, these politicians, you know, I say cahoots a lot, but it is there is like a lot of collaboration with these and people. Nepotism- Nepotism, nepotism, crony
0: capitalism, all that kind of stuff is rampant in this, you know, in this economy, in this, in this, you know, in the United States and in the world.
1: And what what is the common goal for anybody that's in government now? And coming from a cynical view, it's making money, right? All these people be becoming millionaires in public, quote unquote, public service, right? Meanwhile, it's like, well, how do you know all this insider trading and stuff like that? So people that's why a lot of people don't trust uh, electoral politics anymore. It's just it's the same thing. It's like, OK, I'll what? OK, if I elect you now, what? Oh, you said you were going to do this. Now you're going to do it like you. You made those reference to what Biden, you know, the promises he made and it's just totally, you know, crap the bed on. That's, right, why, that's, yeah, that's why the
0: you know Biden is, is such a low approval rating and why it was such a close race with Trump. Trump was one of the most unpopular presidents in, uh, in recent memory, maybe in, in U.S. history. Biden did win by a lot. And, and the reason is, I mean, we have 40, 50 years of his career in Washington. We know what Joe Biden was all about. And we know all the things that he was telling us on the campaign trail were lies. We knew exactly what he was going to do when he got in office. And that's the same kind of stuff he's been doing his whole career. I mean, he's, he's right. just, i mean, coming from Delaware. It's a state where um, a very corporate-friendly state, you know, for insurance companies, for banks. I think they were the first state to um, deregulate interest rates, essentially making predatory capitalism a thing, allowing these credit card companies to, um, you know, charge us an arm and a leg, basically, you know, charge us whatever uh, they want without any limit or at least, you know, uh, removing uh, a lot of the um, regulations there. So, yeah, I mean, Biden probably doesn't, even though he says he's pro-union, I'm sure behind closed doors uh he's certainly not on the side of uh workers and unions he's there trying to uh you know um get campaign donations for you know uh the the, the big auto companies you know the, he's not getting big uh donations from uh unions or, or workers he's getting big donations from executives and that sort of thing so whatever he says you know for the most part we know behind closed doors what he's all about and what he's been about his whole career and again trump was one of the most unpopular presidents in uh in us history maybe ever um and, uh, yeah, it was a very close race. Trump could have definitely won, and it looks like we're going to get a rematch here. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump did win. Now, you did mention you're not a big fan of electoral politics. I, I think it's you should vote. You know, I think it's important, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to say, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you a strong argument. I don't know if it matters all that much. It might matter well, well, because me, of the swing me, state. That's the only thing I would say. Me, if you're in a swing state, it might matter. If you're in a blue state, that's a strong blue state or a strong red state. No. It probably doesn't matter at all. If you're in a swing state, you might want to vote for the, you know, the, the, worst, the, the lesser two evils, I guess. Or maybe you vote third party. I mean, they're in, a, in swing set. They're obviously not going to win. So, if you, but if you feel like you know, for whatever moral reason, it's a, it's a good thing to vote third party. Go ahead and, and do it. But the Republicans are very happy if the people on the left, like us, just you know, completely abandons electoral politics, and they'll continue to gerrymander and you know, uh, you know, pack the Supreme Court and all that kind of stuff. So, I think there's some differences between the party. They're not much, but I wouldn't say it's 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 worth abandoning electoral politics completely. Although I wouldn't give you a strong argument saying, Oh yeah, Biden's way better than Trump. I don't think he is honestly, but uh, you know, some people think that there's a big difference between Biden and Trump. I am not one of those, but I'll probably, I mean, I'm in Texas. So it really doesn't matter if I vote and I know Trump's going to carry the state or whoever the Republican nominee is. So I probably won't vote. Uh, I didn't last election. No, I did actually yeah. voted for Biden. I voted for Biden, but I was, I was in Maryland. I should have probably voted third party because Maryland's always going to be blue. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's going to be a Republican that comes along, maybe Mitt Romney, you know, if he, let's say he's he's out, of, I think he's going to be done with politics. Um, I think he's saying he's retiring. But if it was like Mitt Romney versus Biden, I might be like, hey, you know, maybe Mitt Romney's a little bit uh, more leftist on, um, you know, Israel-Palestine thing. I don't know what his views are. But you know, I could, I could see like a very, very moderate Republican going, going up against Biden. I'm not saying, I'm definitely not, I think I was before. I'm not anymore saying, you know, vote blue no matter who. You know, it's a case by case basis. It should take you all of five minutes to decide on who to vote for because it doesn't make a big difference. If voting could change anything, they would already have made it illegal. I'm quoting Emma Goldman there. But I think it does matter just a tiny little bit. And I think there are maybe just a little bit differences between the, the, the parties, not much. And certainly between candidates, there can be, you know, big differences. I mean, at least Biden says he believes in climate science, I guess. So, I mean, that's one, uh, that's one benefit that would put him, you know, over Trump. But there are not many.
1: Yeah, I guess I should clarify when I when I said uh, electoral po- electoral politics, I meant I meant on the uh, the national level because there are uh, initiatives in the states uh, where some and some states already have it uh, where they have state ballot initiatives, which I think are excellent. Uh, it gives uh, control of uh, legal issues like laws or potential laws uh, to be voted on or to be approved by the people, right, instead of having to go through these these um, governments in the states that a lot of them are corrupt, about as corrupt as the 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 national ones, right? So on the local and state levels, there are some differences there. You can make a difference there. What I was saying on the national level, and you're right, like if you're in like a safe, a quote-unquote safe state, like, like I am, I'm in New York, it doesn't matter who I vote for, no. the Democrat's going to win. Right. right. And and like uh, if, if by and, and in reverse, if I went back to Mississippi, I knew anybody vote there would be uh on the national level would be Republican. Now, on the local level, it's kind of weird. And I'm not sure how the other states are, but the, I can only reference Mississippi. But even Democrats in the in the in the dirtiest of the dirty south. Right. Even Democrats are basically just very light republicans right Right. they usually they'll fight for certain issues but it's not you don't see a lot of like it's mostly money issues right you're going to see in the south like in mississippi especially mississippi it being the poorest state in the nation you're going to have the big fight is over social programs in the state and paying for it because the republicans in the state do not want it you know, they're all, they're all about the pull yourself up by a bootstrap, boy. What the hell's wrong with you, son? Get up here, boy. And then the other people are like, you know, they only make like $4 an hour. They It's like you know, they're getting paid like it's the 1930s. All right, so we need to balance this out. But even then, you don't really get too much of a fight because there's so much of a Republican domination in there. It's a very, it's very weird. So I guess I, sh- you know, I tell people, look, you want to vote, that's fine. Go for it. I said, but if you don't vote, I understand because the majority of people who are independents and who do not vote, that's like, I think it's 40, 45 percent. Of the elect uh, of, of people who are registered, and a lot of the people that
0: don't vote are uh, you know the ones that feel the most marginalized. Usually, the poorest voters are usually working class mm-hmm. voters. They're usually the voters um, in, in both the labor parties. parties in in both other parties. Countries. We, we're the only. Yeah. Um, we're the only country, uh, I think, in the world, or one of the only countries in the world that doesn't have an organized labor party. We have two business parties. You know, so uh, yeah. you know, the, I mean, if we had, a, and, and and you know, and, and I watch you know world politics, and I've looked at Britain. Uh, and their Labor Party, and I think most people will say it's, you know, not much better than the, the Tories and whatnot, but at least they have one. Uh, the Democrats are certainly not a pro-Labor Party. They abandoned the, uh, you know, the, the working class uh, decades ago, left them behind. It's just like a, they're kind of like an elitist, you know, type, uh, uh, you know, educated Party. It's essentially made up of metropolitans in the urban areas. You know, we have essentially we have a, a rural party, the Republicans, a rural business party, the Republicans, and then an urbanized business party, the, the Democrats, and they essentially are on the same page on most issues. So I think. It would be a great thing. I'm actually in opposition as an anarchist to political parties. I don't think they're anything great once there's... A, with don't, all the money and politics, too. they'll eventually get bought off. You know what I mean? Even if yeah. we had a labor party, it wouldn't take too long and too much money for them to become corrupted just like the two parties we have. But, uh, you know, I think I think there's some things we can do. Like, I like ranked choice voting. I just had... Someone on from uh, in politics in Alaska, she was a lawyer, and I guess they have ranked choice voting on the ballot. Uh, One of the first states, or maybe the first state, to offer that. So I think that's a great thing, ranked choice voting. And I think we could definitely do some stuff with campaign finance reform. Let's get the money out of politics. A lot of ways we can do that. You know, first off, the the, the, uh, Citizens United, we abolish that, overturn that. Uh, But then the other thing could be like, you know, uh, somehow trying to figure out this gerrymandering nonsense that both parties are, uh, uh, you know, doing, but yeah, the electoral college, I think that's a major one. I think we should just have rent choice voting and majority rules, you know, but I think in general, I think the Republicans are definitely in opposition to that, but most Democrats are too, because that would interfere with their power and privilege.
1: Yeah. Nobody's ever brought it up before to make those changes either. Right. Not within the system.
0: No, not within the system.
1: Yeah you know and and you you hit the nail right on the head, yeah, they're both business parties, right I mean look at look at the look at and the other parties the green party and the libertarian party, right, I guess they are the two bigger ones, and then you have like your various whatever out there uh look at what they've done right they they it always seems like their parties are, are have some sort of uh chaos going on, right, and not not the good kind of organized chaos. I'm talking about just like they never can seem. The libertarians have their shit together more than the than the greens although the greens are on a lot of state balance but either way none of them are the answer either see I'm I'm with you I don't think any of these political parties uh do all they are is just fundraising machines that's all they are that's all they do is just, they they go out there and they tell you the shit that they're going to do And then they uh,
0: tell you lies. They tell
1: you lies. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. They tell you the shit (laughs) that they're gonna do. They get money from you. You know, money, please, money, please. And then they get the money, and they're like, "Oopsie, we didn't win. Oh no, let's try again next time." And then the cycle continues. Parliamentarian.
0: We would do it, but the parliamentarian got in
1: the The way. Parliamentarian. (laughs) I tell you though, the the closest we came to having a labor party in this country, and if he would have the if he would have the cojones to do it. Uh, was back in 2016 when Bernie rallied the troops. Now, yes, granted, he was he was shepherding people back into the Democrat Party. We we know that now, but at the time, you know, had it been a sliding doors moment, had we had been able to change that pivot in history to where he actually started, where he doesn't get the the nomination and instead runs as the American Labor Party candidate. Right. He starts the labor party that you're talking about that we don't have in this country. He had that opportunity and he had that tsunami of people backing him up. He totally could have done it, man. But no, he he showed his colors and he showed it's like, ah, I it was like Braveheart, man. It's like we could have united the clans. What do you do? You end up on that thing getting drawn and quartered and then you drop the thing in Rosebud and whatever the hell that movie was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What do you think about uh, what do you think about Bernie since uh, Biden since you know
0: he's pretty pretty well uh, entrenched in the Biden White House he's gotten some high committee rules and that sort of thing I think he's an ally you know for leftists but uh, it seems like yeah he's maybe lost his way a little bit he certainly doesn't seem as radical as when uh, Trump was in the White House what do you think of Bernie the last few years uh, and the things that he's done I
1: well, mean, he's the line. I mean, when, when, uh, what's his face from, uh, Movement for a People's Party? Uh, um, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but he, uh, confronted him recently and he said, What are you, what are you, a Russian, you, 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 coming at me with Russian talking points. He said he was called him basically like a Russian bot or something like that. And so he's, he's now, he's now taking the language of the other people who say the same things, right? Who have been, have had their brains screwed up ever since Trump. It was Trump. And then it was like Russiagate. And then it was COVID. And then it was Ukraine. And now it's Israel. One, two, three. It's like one right after another. And that's what we've seen in the last few years. And every single step of the way, Bernie has been on the wrong side every damn time. And now he just, I guess he just don't care anymore. He knows he's probably going to retire. And, you know, he's going to get his pension, and he's good, right? He's got his whatever, how many houses and coats, whatever they were talking about before with him. I don't even care about that stuff anymore. Just I just want him to go away. I want all these old people to go away. I want all these political parties to go away. I want to be able to start over. all be independents, and then you make coalitions with other people. That's how you do it. That's how you find common ground, because you can't do it when you're a Republican and a Democrat. How are you going to work together? You're not going to be able to do it. So, I, I've, I've uh, thrown this issue out. I've changed my political views some, slightly. Like,
0: I'm pretty pretty radical leftist after I've been radicalized the last, I don't know, five or six years. I don't know how long it's been. But, yeah, at some point I was a Democrat and maybe more independent, leaning left. And now I'm just a all-out anarch- anarcho-syndicalist is how I describe myself. But I've thrown out stuff um, before about, like, you know, having a cutoff age or something along those lines. Like, you know, once you're a certain age, you're out of... Uh, You know, I definitely think like term limits in the Supreme Court would be a great thing. I thought about, like, throwing out, like, okay, let's say 75, then you mandatory retirement, you can't run for office anymore. But that's kind of ageism, you know, and I think that would take Bernie out. He's one of our little allies that we, we have in, in the mainstream. So I don't think that that's the problem, you know, just putting an age limit and saying, hey, this will fix everything because yeah. there's just going to be some younger people that get bought off, you know. But I do think yeah. it's a problem uh, in a country of 300 and some million people, and yet, you know, the average age of Congress, I don't know what it is, but it's got to be in the high – high 60s or mid-70s. I really don't know. I'm just generalizing by the pictures of Congress I've seen. There's got to be a better way than having, you know, these people in their 70s, 80s, even 90s, you know? So I'm not sure how to do it. I mean, I'm definitely getting money out of Congress. Um, but, yeah, I think that we definitely need new blood in there. We need new ideas in there. Uh, we need people that aren't you know, freezing up on stage like Mitch McConnell two times, You know, having clear mm. cognitive decline like Joe Biden. Again, I don't want to be ageist or anything like that. But I do think it's a problem in a country of 300-some million people um, you know, we're the average working age. You know, we got millennials kind of, uh, you know, getting older and getting into their thirties now. Gen Z is going to start to take over, and yet we're being ruled over by these oligarchs that are in their seventies, eighties, even nineties. What do you think about like putting an age restriction in Congress? Maybe term limits, but not age restrictions. Yeah. Or what do, you, what do you think of those uh, trying to reform? Um, you know, just the electoral politics in this country. Do you think either of those ideas would work?
1: Well, I mean, okay, this is this is how I think. Electoral politics is going to work, period, is you have to change the underlying system, right? And once you change the underlying system, and how are you going to do that? You have to do that. The people have to do that through direct action, you know, and uh, mutual aid and, and just everybody just coming together as groups to do that. Right? I should, start, because, doing
0: a, I should start, start having a drinking podcast rules. Mutual aid drink. We got I uh, solidarity, I always <laughs> say, drink. <solidarity. laughs> I gotta, I, gotta, I, get, yeah. I gotta get some rules for that. Go ahead though. Keep going. Sorry.
1: But no, yeah, you're right. Um, but you know, let's say we're able to fix the system, right? And some miracle, we're able to do it. Um I think uh we can. We can we can get good people in there. I I'm not for a I I don't think age has anything to do with it either, right? Because I don't think it is. It, you could be any age and be bought off, like you said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I th- I think that's totally. I took that's totally one hundred percent right on. Term limits. Um, I you I, know what I, I, I say like a great if, idea.
0: I want I want the, I want responsibility to be shifted. We, again a country of 300 plus million people four years is plenty I mean, do we really need someone in in office the White House or Congress or even the Supreme Court for more than four years six years you know what I mean well
1: definitely Supreme Court needs uh first off those people need to be elected this whole, 100%. The whole choosing yeah i I think having the other two branches choose the third no 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 the you the people choose the the, the president the people choose Congress. But we don't choose the Supreme Court, who who do, who rules on whether laws are constitutional or not. Did you know the Senate? Uh, for I don't know how
0: long, <laughs> but yeah, for a long time, it, it was uh, appointed as well. So the Senate, at one point in time, that was appointed by the House and. Uh, I believe maybe the president had some say too. not exactly sure, but for a significant point in time, certainly as many election cycles, uh, the Senate. So, you know, we finally, um, you know, democratize the Senate. And we vote for the Senate. Same thing for the Supreme Court. I mean, it's obviously, uh, you know, they're they're entrenched with their ideologies and party politics and they're obviously partisan. It's a it's a political p- position. They might as well run for office. Right. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Uncle Warren, you are a media critic, a media expert. You've been doing local television, radio. You've been doing some indie media for a long time now. So why don't you talk about your media journey and the things you've done and what you're working on now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life when I was a kid. And uh, being a 54-year-old kid, I still hadn't figured that out yet. But...
0: Along the way,
1: uh, I managed to, uh, and my dad said, well, you know, if you don't want know what you want to do with your life, try business. I said, all right. So I tried some business classes. I hated it. I hated it. But I was fascinated with uh, watching the news with my dad. We always watch, like, the local and the national news every night after supper. And uh, long story short, I got into college, decided to to uh, major in broadcast journalism. And I ended up working at radio, radio stations and the TV station that was in the area, uh, WCBI in Columbus, Mississippi. And uh, met a lot of great journalists there uh, and at other stations around the state and in the area too, uh, award-winning journalists. And I learned what it was like to get the story, the who, what, where, when, and why, and what was important uh, news for communities uh on the local level and then uh i guess as the years went by i got out of local news and was more working with people in uh uh, uh the retail industry a lot of working in la and here in new york and and then i got into the independent space around the time like like i said when bernie uh first ran for president and i kind of felt like all right well what am I going to do in this space? I see a lot of people, they bring on these very important people on and have these very important conversations on. And I said, well, you know, I'm not a very, I, I haven't, you know, I can be serious when I need to be. Uh, and I have some very serious opinions about, you know, things that are going, going on in the world. But my strength is, I, I, I like to think my strength is in comedy. My, uh, my audience would probably tell you otherwise, but uh, you, you know, it, it I like to do what the daily show what John Stewart did initially um when he was t- when he somehow was taking on the establishment from an establishment network how that worked I don't know how, how why he was allowed to do that but in this space we don't have well some of us do some of us have uh corporate backers but that's these big ass channels that have just sold out long ago have tried to take advantage of people's fears and uh, uncertainty with politics and politicians and whatnot, right? Meanwhile, uh, me and my crew—we're just trying to make people. We're like, like in World War II and in uh, Korean War and all these wars, you had the USO, right? You had the people you had to come out and entertain the troops and try to bring the morale up, right? And that's how I feel like, like what me and Jimmy do on Saturday nights with the Secret Show—we're we're just being silly, but it's we a lot of people in the chat watch these other shows that I like to watch in the space you know like uh Fiorella uh, Isabella I love her um and uh you know I I watch the do Dissidence guys I think they're fantastic there's a lot of great independent thinkers and uh you know uh journalists and even the, some of the pundits, you know, some of some some of the takes are good, some of them aren't, you know. But that's that's just the way it is in life. What's that but,
0: young What's that young turks? I never really watched that guy. He seems, I guess, there's supposed to be some leftist. Uh, they're pretty big, right? They got like hundreds of thousands of followers and whatnot. You ever watch that show or Jimmy Dore? Those are the two names I know. I actually don't really watch too much mainstream media. But what's your what's your thoughts about those two and maybe some other ones you plugged Some of them that I've really heard of. My my personalities that i'm aware of is pretty much you know through twitter i guess uh and that's how i connect right. with people for this podcast but yeah what do you think about like the left i mean john stewart certainly i guess i think he might even have a podcast now but yeah what about the young turks i don't know much about them but i know they get a lot of they get, they get a lot of flack on left-wing twitter for sure and uh jimmy door i mean i've agreed with him on some things other things i'm like i ah, not so much what do you think about those people and maybe others
1: see and that's the thing it's like there's there's the- some of these traps uh in in the, in our space uh are the same as in the mainstream media right and and the by the traps i'm talking about uh cults of personality right people forget about the message and start focusing in on the messenger yeah right and that's one of the ways uh the powers that be that want us divided distract us like that's that, right, with these, so they
0: want personalities, they want people. Like, they do exactly. They
1: beats, right? When TMZ shit, right?
0: You know? uh, Cohen baird or ever, like whatever, the recent uh, female Supreme Court judge. Like, oh, she, she's a family. She's very religious. She has a big family. She's adopted, you know, uh, some African children or something along those lines. It's like, okay, that's great, good for her. What's her policies? You know, she could overturn exactly. Roe v. Wade yeah. get her the hell out of here. You know what I mean? I could give a crap. About what's, what's our family life like? And that's what they want to make it about, though. Like cults of personalities, they want to distract exactly. us with, from the important issues that matter and be like, "Hey, this is a this is an upstanding citizen. This is a good girl. This is a good woman. This is a good guy." You know, he's going to get in there and uh, you know he's going to do some great stuff for us. Like, no, what's his track record? You know, is he for <laughs> is he for genocide in uh, Gaza? Then no, get them get them out of here. You know what I mean?
1: Well, you know, we you were talking about T Y T. You know, I that's where I, I discovered both of them. And the, I had actually known about Jank when I lived in L.A., when he was, like, I think this was, like, way back when he was doing, like, he looked like he was in, like, a closet. It was just him. There was no set. There was none of that, all that crazy. Seriously, he looked like he was, like, in a, in a little booth. He had this little table in front of him, and he was doing his ranting and raving. I thought, okay, this guy's pretty cool. You know, he's pretty lefty. He's yeah. pretty lefty firebrand at the time, you know. And you know, fast forward to like I said, I think a lot of all all the uh, the roads cross at 2016 in a lot of these cases too, because that's when TYT started getting big, and Jimmy Dore was on TYT at the time. But then, not too long after that, he started doing his own thing. Now, my opinion on both of those uh, outfits, ty TYT just seems like. You know, like they're trying to copy uh, mainstream media network type stuff. It just seems like they're all over the road. they they Some of their opinions are okay, I guess, and some of them. But it's like, what's the motivation behind some of their opinions, right? And what's up with this twenty million from Jeffrey Katzenberg? I thought you're supposed to be independent, right? Where you getting the? What if you? That's the thing. Red flag. If you're quote unquote in, indie or independent. And then you got big bank behind you. What's up with that? You know? So I'm actually doing
0: a, I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm researching just about the banking system and how corrupt it is. And essentially, you know, we have a, we have a federal reserve that's deceptively named because it's privately owned. So it's a privately owned corporation that, uh, uh, loans money to the government at interest, you know, and it's a Ponzi scheme essentially because, the government every year has to take more and more money, more and more debt, more and more money in circulation, just to pay off the interest from the previous uh, debt. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, you know, essentially with this. Trillions and trillions of dollars every year getting pumped into the economy. We're, we're having this cost of living crisis. It's essentially a Ponzi scheme. This whole banking uh, infrastructure and the whole system was written by a handful of banking insiders in the early 1900s. And we let them get away with it. Uh, it was all backdoor closed deal rooms. Uh, you know, I would, I'm in favor of like small um, locally owned, you know, publicly owned in- institutions that like lend to the local communities. Certainly not yeah. these big corporations that are too big to fail. And the fact that you know they lend to government at, at interest, and the government has the ability to tax—it's insane. And they could also create money out of thin air. It's a pond, or I'm sorry, it's a. Um, it's a what's it called a fiat economy or a fiat yeah. currency? It's not based on anything. But you got me off track. But the, the whole banking system—I mean, <laughs> everything around capitalism—is just you know it's so shady. It's it's you know a handful oh, yeah. of people control everything from the banks to the media um, to the political parties. You know, with the funding there. To, you know, the internet, you know, and, and web browsers, computers, a handful of people, you know, and a handful of automakers that are essentially just putting out the, the same product with just a different name and a different color scheme or something. But, you know, all these all these sectors of the economy are dominated by a handful of people, you know, and, and you got people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and they're starting to put their hands in everything because they got so much money, they don't know what to do with it. So they're buying companies up left and right and, you know. Uh, Bezos, he owns the the Wall Street Journal for his publicity, and you can you can never find them writing any anti-billionaire or anti you know corporate um, opinion piece columns. I uh, wonder why. And then yeah, Elon essentially. He decided, hey, I'll just buy Twitter, and now will be some good publicity there. That was part of what I said in the, in the trailer here. But that's, I mean, that's essentially what they're doing. These people have more money than they know what to do with, putting their their hands in all different pots and you know, controlling. I mean, essentially, the world is controlled by you know a handful of insanely rich people that uh, own up all the corporations, while the rest of us are just struggling to get by. And and, and the uh, just again, the amount of money pumped in the economy each year by these too big to fail private Banks is insane, and it's uh, led to insane inflation. It gets worse and worse every year. The buying power of a dollar, uh, working people are struggling. I actually, tweeted something earlier today, uh, something like um, the average over the last couple of years, the average American family needs twelve thousand dollars more per year just to get by to sustain, you know, their their, yeah. their previous um, living style or whatever. So um, it's just, you know, inflation is nuts. It's not even really being talked about anymore. And yet all we're doing is sending billions and billions of dollars overseas to these wars in in these countries that are not threatening the democracy or independence or defense of America. I mean, we've got all these problems at home, and yet all we're worried about is, uh, you know, wars overseas. It seems like all the the entire Biden agenda is eventually trying to start World War III. It's insane. We're just led by a, a tiny group of psychopaths Hell bent on World War III and climate destruction. It's
1: making me nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's making me nuts too. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, and look at look at Biden. I mean, he's totally out of history. Right. No, he can handle there's handlers behind closed doors. Exactly. That are, you know, yeah. He's a yeah, he's a hollow shell. He can yeah, he he ain't even handling his bowels at this point, right? He's like he, he's that's and that's what we have to tell people he's you the, know he's, have, the, he's the new reagan
0: right i mean he's just basically reagan he shows up says a couple reagan things.
1: reagan at the end of his term right when when the alzheimers really started to hit reagan towards yeah. the end and basically uh, nancy was running the show yeah that's that's where he he started his his term like that reagan ended his term like that and this yeah. dude started like that yeah. but that's the thing it's like people don't know that the handlers are running the show, right? That's why guys like you and me and everybody else in our space, we have to educate the normies, as I like to call them, the people outside the space who don't really, uh, you know, know about, like, independent media, which I'm always trying to, like, educate them, too, and just sharing shows and stuff. It's like, listen, you've got an alternative to the mainstream media. There's other news outlets. But we have to keep it up because these people have been brainwashed. I mean, I understand. I was brainwashed, too. We've all been brainwashed. For as long as we've been, not, alive. not just by the media though, by the
0: whole educational
1: system. Exactly. Starting at the time when we're, you know, in
0: kindergarten through, you know,
1: however far you go. Yeah, exactly. You do, you do as you're told, right? I'm, I'm Gen X, right? That was, you know, we were the first generation to be like, give the side eye. We were like, wait a minute, you tell me, you do as you're told. No, that's what you boomers do. We, we're just like, why, why are we gonna do this? We always, we always questioned why. Right, and that was the thing about, uh, you know, not, no, and, and you know, not all, uh, you know, boomers and Gen X. We're not all monoliths, right? Not all the same. You got your good, your bad, in, in both. But you know, I don't even know where I was going with this man. I'm going to tell you, it's got me jacked up too, man. It really has. Like the, the, I think that what really has me pissed off is the, like the people who actually know what's going on. There's more and more of us each day who know what's going on. Yeah, we're and it's waking
0: just... up. I mean, people are waking up every single day, especially with the stuff that's going on in Israel and Gaza. It's unfortunate. Right. That so many people have to die. So many innocent people and children and women have to die there. But it's certainly you know, waking people up around the world. I mean, outside of pockets Wild in America this. and Europe, nobody's in support of Israel's clear genocide right now. But, uh, you know, I think the tide is turning. I think a lot of young people, especially here in America, are seeing it. In fact, I think mm-hmm. it, it goes, you talked about generations, you know, the majority of boomers, I believe, are in favor of or pro-Israel. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not in favor of any government, but if you had to pick a side, you know, pro-Israel versus Hamas, whatever, the majority of boomers uh gen x it's a little bit uh a little bit more even-handed and then millennials mm-hmm. you know it's uh, slightly in favor of Ham- uh, hamas or you know pro-palestinians pro-gaza and uh gen z's off the charts they see right through the yeah. they don't they don't they're not taking any of this israel nonsense i love
1: gen z brother yeah. i love them they're they they're they're gonna look Gen Z and duct tape. Is you guys set us up. Gen X
0: set us up, uh, you know, and the millennials uh, and millennials. Oh, you know, yeah, we, man. We started pushing back a little bit harder. Gen Z, we, we set. you guys are up on the tee now. Let's go. <laughs> here you go. We set you up. We did a lot of work for you. Now you got to push I us am. over the top. You're going to start running this country here soon, you know, especially as.
1: I hope so. Yeah. I really do. I love that. I love they are just, they are bold. They're not. They're not weak. They're not afraid, and uh, they're out. They're the ones out in these streets. Quiet quitting. Didn't they invent
0: like- that stuff? Quiet quitting, where you just go in, you do the minimum, and you go home. That's brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, like screw you. But think about it too. A lot of them still living at home, and the parents are like, "Yes, yeah, stay at home. I believe we need the help millennials- at home." I
0: actually, tweeted out something the other day. I believe half of millennials are still living at home. Uh, the, right. average, uh, the average. The average. First-time homebuyer in the United States. It's almost doubled over the last, uh, uh, since since 1980. So, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, the American dream, many people have been priced out of it. The middle class has been destroyed. At one time, on a single income, you could buy a house, you could retire, you could take vacations, send your kids to college. But that's no longer the case George Carlin, that's what he said. Uh, you know, they call it the American Dream because you had to be asleep to believe it. The Chomsky uh, <laughs> yeah. has a nice. Uh, it's called the Requiem for the American Dream. I advise everyone to check it out. But he does a great job of just es- essentially, you know, explaining what the American Dream was during the so-called golden era of capitalism, when America had half the world's wealth and a tiny fraction of the population. And since about, uh, you know, I guess since essentially Nixon got us off the gold um, standard and the banking deregulations began, accelerated by Reagan, you know, essentially there's almost nothing left of the the welfare state in America and the American dream and the middle class. It's all pretty much gone. I mean, it's, it's somewhat there uh, a little bit, but it's it's on life support. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's... We need, a, we need a new American dream and one that tick, that can actually be achieved for everyone How about, I mean, we need How
0: about this American bullshit? We're all just you know we're all just citizens of the globe I'm all for globalization. Get rid of these arbitrary governments I'm an anarchist. Get rid of these arbitrary governments, get rid of these arbitrary borders. enough of these corporations controlling the world's resources they're owned by all of us. If we don't democratize this country, uh, you know, in a globalized manner where we all come together and address climate change, we're all finished anyways. So I think the clock is ticking. We better come, come together and come together quickly. Otherwise there's not going to be, uh, you know, many future generations left, you know, maybe we're down to the last few here.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Gen Z is going to go out fighting. That's for sure. Uh, we we gotta, we gotta go out
0: fighting though. If we don't go out fighting, you know, if we just lay there and die, uh, you know, obviously the, the Palestinians, they're putting up a great fight, even though the DAC is stacked against them. I hope the world is watching, and I hope those people are going to get, um, you know, what they deserve, which is, you know, the two-state settlement. They deserve a country. They deserve to be recognized. They deserve not to have war crimes committed against them, taking out hospitals, schools, power centers, power grids. Uh, they deserve yeah. drinking water. They deserve the right to exist, God damn it uh and i saw i tweeted this the other day um i guess there's some 500 billion dollar natural gas uh reserve or whatever right off the coast of gaza so obviously israel the united states they're looking to get their hands on that once they wipe gaza off the map
1: yeah i think you know you could talk about religion and old-timey prophecies and who owns what and whatever it's like you boil it down to it; it's about the oil and gas that's under there. I, I mean, it's particularly the gas. I think they said it was just like about five. Yeah, like you said, about half a trillion dollars worth of gas under there. There's some oil there too. So, and they're looking to build like a canal through there, and they and Israel's trying to be a player in the energy market, and all at the expense of these two million people, especially these children. You know, last count it was like over eight thousand kids murdered over there. It's probably about ten k by now. The world's that was largest amazing. open air prison in Gaza, the world's largest open air prison, the concentration camp. And these people, and the and the the IDF, the uh, Israeli quote unquote defense forces.
0: Defense, That's propaganda. We know that right from the get go. They're can defending
1: you, the propaganda. Yeah. That's what
0: they're doing. If you're in another country's territory, that's not defensive. <laughs>
1: yeah. They're de- they're defending these the, the territory that they're stealing from these people, right? You know, and they're defending themselves you know, when they laugh and they murder these people. It, and it's it's so blatant, dude. The hubris. That's what pisses me off. It's just like and we're letting it happen. It's like, what can we do about it? It just And this is not know. a new, you know, obviously this war, it's not a war, it's first
0: of it's genocide. It's a one-sided violent um You know, violent, essentially murdering of, you know, a, a group of people, ethnic cleansing. It's not a war. Um, uh, it's, it's yeah. it did not happen in October. It's been going on for 75 years every now and yeah. again, you know, um, you know, maybe some resistance movement set off some rockets and kill some innocent civilians in Israel, which I do not condone. But, uh, you know, when you make, I think this is JFK also a war criminal, when you make a uh, peaceful revolution impossible, you make violence inevitable. So that's bound to happen. Um, you know, it, it's provocational. Um, and, uh, you know, if I, I don't support Hamas, just like i don't support the Israeli government, I support the people, especially the ones that are being uh, um. murdered uh you know in- innocent in- innocent people murdered but you know it's f- by far one sided i mean you know for every i think i think um think got read up until October before, prior to October prior to the rocket attacks by Hamas. I think on average Israel was killing uh, two children a week in Gaza or something along those lines. That's insane. That should be front page news everywhere, especially here in America, where our tax dollars are funding this.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and going going there, and, and going to still going to Ukraine, although that's probably going to get shut off now. But uh, and that's this has been going on while we've been struggling here at home, right? What what about you know what about us here? And everybody knows that money that was going to Ukraine and now going to Israel is going to Nazis and genocide people. But that, that's where the and money again, is. Going. Money
0: too, it's just money laundering. This money was linked to the government at interest by a private corporation deceptively named the Federal Reserve. It's insane. The whole system is as corrupt as could be. I'm just trying to expose it. That's what that's what I'm trying to do. You're trying to make people laugh and give them some educational information. Great. I'm trying to expose this hypocrisy and corruption that's going on, and I just it's can't true. take it anymore. I worked all day just so I could get on here for an hour or so, talk to you, and expose some bullshit.
1: Goddamn it. There you go, man. That's what it's all about. And that's what this space is all about, too. <clears throat> because you know the mainstream media all that it, it's not media it's not news it's not journalism it's propaganda and right. i tell people all the time if you just assume that everything you see on mainstream media in the newspapers like that all these these corporate owned media outlets just assume it's a lie and then be pleasantly surprised every once in a great while when it's actually the truth and then you understand things a lot better because a lot of these people say, oh, the media can't be lying that much. Yeah, all the time. Look who owns them. Follow the money. Jesse Ventura said that. He says that all the time. I like him, actually. He said some great money. stuff. I like I like the... Follow the money. Yeah, he said some good stuff. He's on our
0: side, it seems like. he's uh, He's kind of an independent. He's kind of out there, kind of a leftist, right? He's kind of... He's he was in the mainstream governor two terms, but uh he said a lot of great stuff that I agree with. I don't I think he's in Mexico, middle of nowhere now, off the grid, but
1: uh Yeah, he probably I, is. Yeah, I, I think, think he's on uh, the writing on the wall. I mean he was pretty uh what do they call it, prescient, where you're able to like uh have knowledge of the future, kind of like sense what's gonna happen. I think he's one of those cats, you know, and that's probably what's kept him alive for so long.
0: So let's talk about we got uh, maybe ten minutes or so. Uh extra bulla, Uncle Warren. Let's talk about some of your media projects, some of your media shows. What are you working on? What do you like to report on? What's some topics that maybe uh you know you've covered? It sounds like you know you've done some Gaza stuff as of I. So tell the people that are unfamiliar with your work what you're what you're up to and who you're working with.
1: Well, I mean, I'm kind of a a scattered person. I like to have my uh, my my interests in different areas. Like I said, I like to do the silly stuff on the weekends. Uh, I I have a show called Extra Bull Alive, and that's where I bring people on and we have conversations, kind of kind of Joe Rogan style. It's not anything scripted or anything like that. Um, you know, I've interviewed like a lot of people. Um, uh Ryan Christian from uh the last American Vagabond was the last person I had on and we had a fantastic conversation. We talked about the media and uh you know how the their use of propaganda and how it's working and what they're doing and whatnot and uh so and I've like I said I've had uh, Fiorella Isabella on and we talk about journalism uh I have Rick Overton on once uh we talk about comedy and he's a lefty too you know it's like uh I, I talk to these people that that are on these other bigger shows that talk about uh, current situations, like the the political stuff and all all the news, the, the topical stuff, right? And when they come on my show, uh, a lot of t- they get to see another side of them that they don't get to see on these other shows. When basically they're on there for their information, but now they come on my show and we get to talk to you and see what kind of person are you? Are you multifaceted? What else do you believe? You know, in your pursuit of activism or journalism or whatever you're doing, right? And, uh, but yeah, and then I like to do gaming too, because I'm still, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an Atari 2600 nerd from way, way back. Yeah. Holler at your boy Pong, son. Yeah. But, you know, and I like to diversify even during the gaming streams, you know, they're usually just like some I'm building a town or a house or something. And we, we have to I interact with the chat and it's all about communication, man. It's all about growing communities and spreading the word. Word of mouth has always been the best kind of way to spread information to people that because that's how it gets into people's ears and it gets in their heads. And hopefully it sticks in their minds and their memories and then they can pass them along, too.
0: Let's talk about your core values. You're an activist, your core beliefs. I think I'm all about, I would say it's my core beliefs, at least working class politics, bringing working class people together, trying to uh, expose the lies and corruptions uh, of the ruling class, trying to expose the propaganda, realizing that, you know, it's class warfare out there. What the ruling class is trying to do is divide and conquer. They want to divide working people and, you know, make, make it out like, you know, Poor people are the enemy and not the tiny fraction of 1% that own all the money and hoard all the wealth in this country. So again, working class politics, that's kind of my, that's what keeps me going. That's what my passion is about. That's what my political philosophy is about. That's what my activism is about. Uncle Warren, you're an activist. What's your core beliefs? What are you out here trying to support? What are you out here trying to fight for?
1: Well, I tell you, uh, like I said, I I grew up in Mississippi, uh, very poor. Uh, but, uh, we, we always had enough to be able to grow food for one another, not just for ourselves, but for our, uh, you know, our, our other family, our neighbors. Uh, and so I, I developed this, uh, this is the love for socialism in that regard where you're, you, where you have enough to share with others, right? Where you, where you're offsetting greed, right? Um, and i and I see that and and the people who worked hard like you like like you i'm 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 more of a blue collar kind of activist um because I'm tired of seeing the working class not getting compensated for the fruits of their labor right I'm tired of them not being able to uh to live in the richest country in the world and not have your housing guaranteed, not have your food guaranteed, not have stuff guaranteed, just the basics. I'm not talking about like spending sprees and stuff, just something like where you can get off the streets, where you're not homeless, right? There's countries where people aren't homeless, right? They're not big countries, but they take care of their people. And that's what we got to get back to. That's what I'm about is taking care of the people that have been ignored, that have been just screwed over, kicked and are down and out and need a hand up. You know what I mean? If we had a I cultural democracy,
0: I'm all about local local roots, grassroots. you know, local uh, communities, you know, trying to take care of your local, you know, your neighbor, that sort of thing, mutual aid, yeah. and all that stuff. I think that's great.
1: Um, that's how it used to be. It used to be like that, you know? And then, I don't know, somewhere along the way, things got too easy for people, and then the people decided to be lazy and greedy. And All it for just wealth, it become, forget everyone but self. That's the spirit of the
0: age. They yeah. All it is, uh, capitalism was forming. The me generation. Time. Sure. The
1: me. Yeah. You know, take care of yourself. That's what the boomers did. The boomers got theirs. And then when the Gen X yeah. came along, it's like, oh, well, now you're going to have to deal with student loan debt. Oh, these <laughs> prices of everything that's going up houses and school. And oh, the rate of pay is not going up. Oh, oopsie sauce. So, yeah. <laughs> You I know, got mine. That, for everybody else, right? That's the that's their motto. Exactly. I got mine. I got mine. Exactly. Like, it's, and they said, "Well, you should ju- you should just work hard." It's like look, when you were back in the fifties, when everything cost a freaking nickel. Yeah, it was easy to save money. You could work a part time job, go to college, and still save up for a house at the same time. That's you can't, can't do any time. of that stuff now. You we can't got, do any less of that than
0: stuff. Five minutes here. Let's less than five minutes. Let's get to some. I'm funny sorry, stuff. brother. <laughs> <JFK>. <laughs>
1: yes, sir. Who killed him? It wasn't me. I was uh swimming around in my father's testicle sack where his oh, balls wow. lived. I think it was CIA just like everybody else. What do you think
0: uh hello gunman Oswald I think I don't know I'm sure there's some shady business around
1: that, but uh you don't think it, you don't think he had a a cadre of uh pop pop poppers around him. you think it was just him? Yeah, I do. I think it, it, it's the hotbed of
0: conspiracy theories. It's uh, the mother of all conspiracy theories. I think as the Wikipedia page says. So I'm not really sure, but I, I think it's probably just the lone gunman. But I'm not sure. I, I think there's definitely some shady, shady network within you know Oswald's past for sure. What's uh, what's going on with all this alien stuff? It seems like a couple months ago we were trying to we were deluged with all this stuff about aliens and uh, UFOs. Uh, is there any is there any uh, fire to the smoke?
1: I don't know, man. Uh, you know, that you've heard of pl- uh, Project uh, Blue Beam, right? Where it's just like... I haven't. They try to... U- Enlighten us. Okay so, okay, so very quickly, Project Blue Beam is basically the government fooling you into thinking that aliens are invading the Earth. That way, the Earth comes together under one world government to fight, to quote-unquote fight the aliens, yada, yada, yada. It's basically a way to get a one world government. So... Uh I I can't say. I mean, I believe that there's UFOs. I think there's ETs and stuff out there. But what's been happening late lately, if it's in the mainstream media, I gotta say it's a distraction, man. It's gotta be they're getting, they're trying to distract us from something else. Maybe they're trying to distract us from this stuff over in uh Israel. Yeah. Who knows, man? But I think it's a distraction from something for sure.
0: Did you see the uh the alien bodies? Um, I guess they were shown in the Mexican Government, Congress, um,
1: they brought, I think, two bodies, something, yeah, two bodies, uh, and had some scientists. Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you think about that stuff? Oh,
0: that no, look believable man. to you, credible to you? Uh, I think there was people from multiple universities and laboratories that said this is a non-human creature. This is a creature that was... Uh, not the DNA was different from anything ever discovered on earth before. And uh, they, didn't, they, they did not think that this was a natural, it, it came from somewhere else, not earth. When well, you, you, you find it credible, you find it believable or you think it's I a mean, conspiracy it's, theory.
1: It's possible, but I mean, they haven't said anything since then. Right. I mean, have you heard anything? I was talking about this. Yeah. What,
0: what they kind of do is they, they deluge us with all this UFO alien stuff for like a couple of weeks. And then it goes away. And then, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden yeah we got uh ukraine russia or we have israel palestine and genocide and yeah maybe when they want to distract us with something else they'll uh, they'll run some more stories by us i don't know but yeah it, it definitely doesn't seem like anyone's talking about it anymore uh we only have less than um less than about two minutes to go so i'll give you an easy question to end with i always like this question what's the meaning of life what's this all about easy question right
1: the meaning of life is, to, is love. It's it's to share love, to get love, to spread love. That's what the meaning of life is. It's simple as that. You're and everybody's an old been dirty lurking. hippie, aren't
0: you? You're just an old dirty hippie, aren't
1: you? I'm an old dirty hippie, son. I just love love, brother. That's all I can do. Oh, man.
0: Hey, brother, it was fun. It's going to cut us off here soon. I really appreciate your time. I like kind of doing these uh, shorter podcasts keep I it, keep it fresh, keep it interesting, and also gives us an opportunity to come together because there's so much more things that we can talk about. Let's stay in touch, and maybe in 2024 we'll do it again. What do you think, Uncle Warren?
1: I love it, man. Yeah, and I'll get you on too, man. We'll, uh, we'll have us a, a little shindig at my place, so uh, I look forward to it.
0: All right, my friend. Thanks for your time. Have a great night.
1: All right, you too, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Necessary
0: Illusions also want to thank my special guest, Uncle Warren of Extra Bull Alive, for a great discussion on politics, current events, and the media. Shout out to Drowning Dog and Malatesta for the music. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.